Welcome back to another episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I am your host, the Salty Nerd. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing The Boys, Season 2, Episode 4. And I am joined, as always, by my illustrious co-host, Matthew Kadish, author extraordinaire. What's up, man? What up, you wee twat? You wee twat. I am also joined by the ambassador of estrogen, Jude. Hello. What's up? Hi. How you doing? I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm, I'm managing. Okay. I'm also joined by the barbarian himself. <laughs> Matthew Vader making his triumphant return. That's right. <laughs> making up for lost time. He's Goddamn very right. sassy today. Very sassy. I love it. What's up, you jerks? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I burped on the video. No, that's perfect. That is exactly what I would expect you to do. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about the boys episode four of the new season just dropped on Friday. So Entitled we're titled Nothing it. Like It in the World. Nothing like it in the world. This was an odd episode for me. It was weird. It was a uh-huh. weird episode. I felt very uncomfortable for a majority of this episode. I, I, I turned to Jude when we, after we finished watching it, and I was like, this feels like a bridge episode. It feels like the first three episodes, they knew it, all three were going to go out, so like they did like a little complete arc, Yeah. Mm-hmm. and now this episode is setting up the What's later half of the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who wants to do a quick breakdown? Kadish, you have your notes up? You ready to go? Yep. All right, go ahead. All right, so Nothing Like It in the World, episode four. Uh, Mother's Milk, Huey, and Annie go on a road trip to find out uh, information on the mysterious superhero Liberty. Frenchie has relationship problems with Kamiko, and Homelander continues to unravel. And we have a lot of interesting uh, kind of different plots going on in this show. So uh, I think I'm just going to go through one at a time, and you guys can jump in on what you thought about it. That sounds fantastic. That's what we should do. (laughs) Lead the way, sir. Please. All right. We had a lot of really interesting stuff. The first thing is that Billy Butcher meets with uh, Captain Mallory. Is mm-hmm. that her name? Colonel. Colonel Mallory. And she flat out gives him the location of Becca. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they did this because I was afraid that it was going to be stretched out over the course of the season. No, she kind of felt like it was a little bit of a guilt trip where mm-hmm. she was like, I got to do something for She's you. She's like, this is all my fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, Basically, Billy Butcher's through line throughout this episode is that he finds out the location of his long lost uh, wife. Uh, He basically abandons the boys. He tells Mother's Milk that he's in charge now and that uh, they should go and and check out this this information that they got on Liberty, which Mallory had passed to them. And he goes off. He finds the compound that Becca is kind of being held captive in. He scales the wall makes contact with her and we finally get the re- the reunion between butcher and his wife and he wants to take her away from there. And of course she has to bring her kid along, but she knows butcher for, hates superheroes. Well, he, he hates superheroes. He's not fond of kids and she knows him well enough to know that at some point he's going to figure out a way to ditch the kid. Yeah. And he basically comes clean with her and says like, look, that kid represents like $13 billion of Vought's investment there's no way they're ever going to stop looking for him. As long as he's with us, we will be in danger. And she's like, and that's why I can't leave with you. Yeah. And so like his whole arc, this episode is about him realizing that as long as Vought is still as powerful as it is, he can never have his wife back. I also thought it was, <clears throat> it was a kind of a revealing character moment for him when he finally got kind of cornered in this conversation and he basically was like, that kid's a freak. I don't want nothing to do with him. Yep. And it totally called out his character. Yeah. And from Becca's point of view, being the mother and she, you know, obviously she's in a tight spot. She can't really do much, but what she can do is be a good mom. Mm-hmm. And she knows that there's no way that she'd be able to do that and have Butcher 
with her at the same time. And like also, they're, sorry. They're, I was just going to say, there's no marrying of the two worlds that she's living in. Yeah. And also her perspective of, if I leave with you and I leave my child behind, then we're going to have two Homelanders yep. in the world because this is what happened to Homelander when he was raised without a mother. Yeah. So actually, I, true. to like this is the first time, I know you've said it before, you think Butcher's an asshole and you hate the character. I do. I've always liked him, but this moment really shined a light on his flaws. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to like the guy after that because you know it's true. Yeah. He's not going to like this kid. He's not going to treat him well. He know he, It presents like the most scarring moment of his life is losing his wife, and that's exactly what he sees every time he sees this and kid. And he says himself that he's not a role model. Yeah. He, he doesn't treat normal people very well. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not going to treat some seven-year-old the, the, superhero. The, the, the spawn of his wife's rape. He's not going to. Yeah. Oh, we did get confirmation that. that it was, in fact, a rape. It was not consensual, which was kind of left up in the air in season one, but yeah. it was confirmed this season. So <clears throat> that scene and that character development for Butcher really kind of put a downer on me. I was like, Oh man, like he's not, he, I, I, he can't be my hero anymore in the show. Cause he's good. So obviously he's flawed. Dick. He's so obviously flawed. I think, at that I think everybody in this show's got some flaws. Yeah. Frenchie pissed me off in this episode too. I, I think, well, I think, really? uh, How so? but well, before we get to well, him though, yeah. I, I, I want to point out that, um, it was interesting to get to see Becca's perspective. Cause like we haven't really gotten a lot of time with her mm-hmm. in, the, in the past you know season or so. And, you know, she's basically a prisoner. Like she talks about like, you know, like you get over not being able to go out to a restaurant or go see a movie or hang out with friends or like whatever. Um, but also uh, we, we get a sense of the real dynamic between her and butcher and, and why butcher loved her so much is because he credited her with making him a good person. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, you saved me. And she's like, you know, I didn't save you, Butcher. I just managed your worst impulses. And and so, like, you got this, like, these two different perspectives on what she means to this character of Butcher. And it was just really interesting because, you know, the, like, I keep comparing the show to the comic books. And the Butcher in the comic books is just, you know, completely unrepentant because in, in the comics, Becca is dead. Like, mm-hmm. like there is no person out, out there for him to be searching for. So this kind of... um idea that, you know, he has his wife, he still loves her and and he can't have her, uh, really kind of adds something to his story in in the show. And it gives him more motivation to kind of do what he does. And I really appreciated that. I I liked, even though I felt like, you know, not as interesting of an episode as it could have been, I felt like we got a lot of stuff that we need to have going forward, um, especially from uh, Butcher's you know, storyline. So I know when, when we're watching something that has been adapted from like a book or com- or graphic novel or something like that. Um, I know that it's easy to be very, like a, uh, very much a stickler for, Oh, well, I wish that they had adhered to the source material more. Do you think that this, I know you, Kadish, you, um, have read, have you read all of the comics or just, oh, okay. So, um, do you think that this is a, a good, um, st- like, I, I don't know what the word is. Compromise. Uh, like, adaptation like um moving away from the source material do you think that this was a good um move well i think that so garth ennis is one of my favorite comic book writers and he's the one who created the boys and he also created preacher and if you look at the the way that those two properties were adapted to television i feel like the adaptation of preacher was really poorly done um like they just basically didn't use any of the comic book for, for the most part. Um, when it comes to the boys, I feel like the changes that are being made um, for the show are actually better than what we had in the comic. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're, they're doing it uh, a correct adaptation in the sense that they're taking the, the concepts and ideas and the spirit of the comics 
and they're running with that. So like in a way they're actually being very faithful to the comic books, but they're, they're um, adapting it to TV in a way like, you know, there's so much stuff that happens in the comics that just wouldn't work in live action. Mm -hmm. And um, they're really kind of diving down into these characters. Like I said, in the comics, Butcher doesn't get a whole lot of development. Uh, Homelander doesn't get a whole lot of development. Like they've really dived into these characters, like Kamoko. Like you know, she basically has. She didn't even have a name in the. Yeah, she didn't have a name comics. in the comic book. So like you know, you know, there's a lot of changes that they're making um, in the adaptation, which I feel are very good. Um, and they're still kind of hinting that there's stuff to come, like the stuff we learn about Mother's Milk in this episode with his father. That's all straight from the comics. And so it makes me wonder if, like, you know, more of Mother's Milk's backstory is going to be revealed and how similar it's going to be in the comics. A lot of stuff with the Stormfront um, is taken from the comics, but they're they're changing it to kind of make it a little bit more mysterious, make it a little bit more interesting. So, yeah, I feel like The Boys is doing a really good job at taking Garth Ennis's really fucked up comic book <laughs> and making it palpable palatable palatable to, yes. to a, a greater audience. That's cool. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Vader, what did you think about this, uh, this dive into butcher's uh, backstory and his character development in this episode? Um, none, nothing that happened really shocked me. I, I, I felt like we all knew he was kind of an asshole when he kind of rejected the kid. It didn't, didn't shock me at all. Okay. You were expecting all. it more. I or kind less. of expected him to, say, I didn't know where they were going to go, but what happened kind of, stayed true to what we know about him as far as I'm concerned. Right you on. know, I'm glad that they didn't stretch this out until episode eight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I, I'm glad that would that have been it, really frustrating. Yeah. I'm glad that this is like the midpoint in the season where he finally gets to reunite with his wife. And now he has like a completely different goal where it's not about taking down Homelander. It's about taking down Vought. Yeah. So he's going to go back to the boys with a, a game plan at least. New mission. And yeah. New, yeah. And new, new motivation. Mission. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about, Frenchie so that uh, okay, perfect. You know, Alex can, uh, I can vent, can vent about <laughs> this. So uh, basically this episode comes off with uh, Kamiko um, basically still kind of mourning her brother and, and being angry and distraught and Frenchie can see how much pain she's in. So he just really wants to kind of, um, you know, lighten that burden and he kind of misreads the situation and tries to kiss her because he, he wants to like be physically comfort her and she actually ends up kind of attacking him, like re rejecting his kiss and like grabbing his throat and kind of choking him. And he runs away and he's distraught, not just because, you know, she rejected his advances, but also because he feel he feels like he failed her in some way. And so he goes and he reconnects his, reconnects with Sherry, who's like the girl from season one that mm -hmm. he was kind of rooming with, who's kind of like his sidekick. And he hooks up with her and side she's kind of like his side piece. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she's kind of like his sounding board. So like he's talking to her about like his feelings about Kamoko and it's kind of weird. Like, like they're in bed, they just had sex and he's like kind of talking about this other girl, Yeah, but she's like totally cool with it. And she's kind of giving him advice and he ends up uh, kind of stopping Kamoko from um, attacking Stormfront and basically committing suicide at the end of the episode because he cares about her, but Kamoko um, just is upset that he stopped her. And so like their relationship's a little bit strained at the moment. This irritated the hell out of me. Why? Cause a like read the room, bro. <laughs> like I it, it, like seeing him, he was like taking some kind of a drug. It, it was just a pill that he crushed up. So I don't know if it was, it wasn't cocaine, but it was something that he was like using to kind of numb himself up. And then immediately he goes into uh, try to comfort quote unquote uh, Kamiko. And I was just like, 
that is that is such the wrong move to make at this point, dude. Like it was way it was kind of off putting for me, and I was like, why? It he... didn't surprise me that he tried. Really? I mean, he's obviously in love with her. Yeah, he's in love with her, but I just I, I didn't... and he's high, so yeah. he goes in there and. I mean, have you ever been high and, 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 and just been like, high and I think, I'll, think I'll try this move? Yeah. Well, I, I just, mean, it did, it, the, his, his, what the, he did didn't All their nerves me. have been frayed since yeah. like episode one. Um, he's in love with her. He's high. Emotions or intentions are, are high. It, it didn't surprise me what he did. Then, I, and, I wasn't taken out of it by yeah. that. And then when he runs away and he goes to his, his side piece and, and like you get gets laid real quick and then discuss. I just, I, I just felt like I was, it was like a weird moment for me where I'm like, is I didn't, I know he's kind of a sleazeball. That's kind of his character in the first season, but I thought maybe since he's met Kamiko and showed some kind of a humanity and some kind of a heart that he might've like moved on from that. Yeah. But, but this is one of the things that I love about this show is that every character is fully committed to who their character is. And this is right in line with who his character is. Yeah, so I ne- I never, nothing surprised me and nothing, yeah. nothing was off putting for me because this is exactly who he is. Sorry, Vader. Yeah. Go oh, that's fine. I was interrupting you. I, I never felt like he was out of character either. And these people have flaws. Mm. Deep you know, flaws. Yeah. They're yeah. Just, I, I suppose you're right. It just irritated me because I was, I was hoping he would be better than that, but I guess I was wrong. Um, but yeah, just, I was like, I don't want to say I was shocked. I was just more irritated that like, cause I really like his character and I liked the relationship between him and Kimiko. And I was, I was disappointed to see it go down that, that route. Mm. And then when he like stops her from confronting Stormfront in public, I, I maybe they're on the right track again. Like he kind of just had this, one moment of weakness where he, he made a mistake and now he's going to try and make up for it. Which well, I, I think he was ashamed and that's yeah, how he dealt with his he shame. He was. was getting laid. It's like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> yeah. He needed, he still needed to numb his pain. I, I guess. I don't Speaking know. Speaking about being ashamed and numbing pain, uh, we have a little, uh, the deep uh, storyline. I'm so done with this guy. <laughs> I'm so, so done with this so character. All, all throughout the episode, we see these little vignettes of uh, women being interviewed about, um, you know, their significant others. Which was so weird. And we were both like, what is this until the end? It was a weird episode. Yeah. So like every, every girl who's kind of like doing this confessional type thing, talking to a camera and they're talking about their experience with like love. And it's like, you know, like uh, there's this one girl who uh, her ex-boyfriend really loved Ed Sheeran (laughs) and, and and he asked her to get an Ed Sheeran tattoo with him. And so like they both got Ed Sheeran tattoos and then a week later he broke up with her and she's like, I hate Ed Sheeran. (laughs) And now I have this tattoo of him on my arm forever. And, and so like they're just, was that the one that the the lady chose? No, no. no, Okay. No, the the one that the lady chose. So like uh, there was another girl, her name was Cassandra and she was telling a story about um, this uh, these two skeletons that were found embracing one another and they were called something lovers. I, I forget the, the name of the city that they were found in. Uh, but she had this kind of romantic idea of like, you have to be that committed to the person you love that like you would love them for eternity and stuff like that. And so like every girl that had like these little vignettes talking about relationships and stuff like that were kind of fucked up. Um, and then at the end we discovered that they're being interviewed by the deep along with Carol from the church of the collective, which is kind of like the superhero Scientology religion in the show. And basically they're interviewing candidates for the deep's wife because they want to rehabilitate his image as being a loving husband as opposed to a rapist. And, uh, and that <laughs> would probably a good move. And that'll be a way to get him back on the seven. And so like, uh, they're basically screening all these women and the deep of course wants to go with like the slutty yeah. like, <laughs> like sex pot. I'm a feminist. I give pleasure for whatever reason I want. There's nothing wrong with that. It was, <laughs> she was weird. Yeah. 
Yeah. She was very over the top, and, sexually aggressive. Yeah. And, and, and he liked it. Like, yeah. I love her. <laughs> and so Carol is, is like, you know, like, oh, uh, uh, you're going to get Cassandra, who's the girl who talked about like the skeletons. Uh, and he was like, don't I get to choose? And she said, like, yes, yes, of course. And you're, you're choosing, choosing Cassandra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> very cultish. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, so that was kind of the deep's appearance. And, and this wasn't revealed until like the end of the episode that it was actually the deep interviewing all these women. And it was kind of interesting because like we're starting to kind of see more of like the, the plan for like the, the church of the collective and how they're going to use the deep to infiltrate the seven and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, uh, uh, that storyline I thought was kind of, Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means six flags in the taste of an ice cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together. And this Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. This is your summer. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes. Interesting. And then uh, we have uh, kind of like the main thing with Mother's Milk, Huey, and Starlight, where they base- This is a big reveal for the character of Stormfront, too. Yeah. They go on a road trip. Yeah, so basically, uh, Mother's Milk is now the de facto leader of the boys, even though he doesn't want the title, but Butcher is, he's like, you know, you're the only guy I trust to take that position. And so uh, they're given this mission by the colonel to find out all they can about a superhero from the, I guess, the 50s or something like that. It was the 70s. Maybe the 70s, called Liberty. And she was kind of like a low-level superhero. Uh, Nobody knows much about her. She kind of disappeared. And... um, uh, basically, uh, Mother's Milk um, is going to take Huey with him because Frenchie's kind of like on drugs. They all know he's on drugs. Mm-hmm. He kind of messed up. They're like, he's been high for days. He won't even notice we're gone. Yeah. <laughs> and and right before uh, the, the trip, basically, Starlight has a run-in with Homelander where Homelander, uh, and we'll get into this in a little bit, is kind of cleaning house, and he almost kills her. And she finds a way out of it, but she's very rattled. And uh, she goes to meet with Huey because she's just looking for something to kind of like alleviate this anxiety she's feeling. Because, you know, she talks about how every time she's in the seven tower, she feels like she's got a gun pointed in her face, like a loaded gun. And because she still of, just has to act like everything's yeah, fine. Because like, she's like, I don't know if and when Homelander is just going to come around a corner and just kill me. And I think she knows at this point that Homelander can do whatever he wants mm-hmm. in front of whoever he wants. And they're just going to clean up the mess because he's Homelander and yeah. she's not as important. She's, yeah. She's not out. a whole lot they can do about it yeah. if, he, if they wanted to. Yeah. And I am curious though. Like, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see it or not, but like on a power level, like how much could she actually do to I'm defend herself? I'm curious about that myself. Cause she seems like her powers are pretty muted so far. Like she's only used them a handful of times and not for anything real big. But I think if she had the element of surprise, yeah. I think that she could, do some serious I'd be, I'd damage be curious, to him. I'd be curious to see what she would be able to do against yeah. Homelander. So Annie is basically looking for, you know, some comfort from Huey, who's a little bit oblivious to it at first. And he's about to rush off to go meet Mother's Milk. And he realizes like, oh, she, there's something wrong here. And so he brings Annie with her, with him to meet Mother's Milk. And he suggests that they bring Annie with them. And Mother's Milk at, at first, he's, he's like, no freaking way. She's chipped, yeah. you know, vodka tracker. And she's like, I'm just going to tell them that I'm going to visit my cousin. And, you know, it's not going to be a big deal. And Huey makes the case. It's like, you know, if we're trying to track down a superhero, it might be smart to have a, another superpowered person with us in case this superhero ends up being hostile. And so Mother Milk, Mother's Milk reluctantly agrees 
to, to bring <laughs> to bring her along and, and so like they have like this little road trip yeah and throughout the road trip a lot of interesting stuff happens like we see annie and huey kind of reconnect and and re and kind of start up their fling again. They uh, sing karaoke together in the car. Well, it, they <laughs> sing Billy Joel, which is funny. And, and you know that Billy Joel song, yeah, uh, We Didn't of, Start the Fire. He's kind of a thing through the series, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he, like well, Spice, Spice Girls was season one, Billy Joel's season two. Yeah. <clears throat> he's ahead, talking Jim. about um, Billy Joel when Robin dies. Like yeah. it's from episode one. He just loves Billy Joel. So it's, I think it's, it's cute that it's like yeah. in pretty much every episode. Yeah, and then he, when he, he realizes that Anna Starlight is also a fan of Billy Joel uh-huh. and she starts singing and she knows all the words. Uh-huh. He's like, it really makes him happy. And to it see just that. annoys mother's milk. Yeah. Dude, he's, he's like the Matt Bader of that car. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows the words of that song. Yeah. I don't know the words of that well, song. Well, you would. Not that hard. Oh, uh, uh, we, we, when I was a kid and that song came out, like we memorized every, everybody every knows that song. To that song. <laughs> um, but too young. Annie actually notices mother's milk has OCD. Yeah. And, and she yeah. points it out to Huey and Huey's like, what? I've never noticed this before. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of interesting to see like Annie, um, like, like, like we get to see how observant she is and, and she actually, bonds with mother's milk over stories about their fathers. And we learn about mother's milk's uh, dad in this episode, which is actually taken from the comics where he's basically this kind of civil rights lawyer who, um, you know, got out of prison and he went after Vought, um, like with lots of different like civil rights lawsuits, never gave up and eventually died from stress because like he was just so obsessed with taking down Vought and uh, mother's milk has kind of taken up his cause and is now, and this crusading. This story wasn't revealed until they met up with this woman who had a, had some information about this character, Liberty. Yeah, and, and they think that they're tracking a superhero named Liberty, and turns out who they're going to meet is one of her victims. Yeah, and honestly, when when uh, Mother's Milk was telling that story, I really half expected him to just tell Huey that, oh no, I just made that up on yeah, the spot to make too. her. Yeah, I was like ready for him to say that. I was surprised that it was a true story. I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I thought, cause mother's milk, like he's different than the other boys. He's has more of a, more of a heart. He's got a family, yeah. you know, he's a normal person as far as that goes. But I, I hate his name. Mother's milk. God. It is weird, isn't it? There, there, weird. There's a reason his, behind that. Yeah, name. I'm sure there is. But, I mean, his last name is milk though. But I think his, his first name is like Martin or something. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I just, I, I really expected him to kind of fall in line with the rest of the boys and be kind of like that messed up character and just be like, oh no, I just made that yeah. to, to get past the door. Yeah. And again, that's one of the things I love about this show is that their character development and the, and like the steps that they take to, um, to give more depth to each character. And I felt like, oh, I felt like Mother's Milk was already, um, like a set in stone character. This is who he is and this is how he's different, but this just gave him so much more depth that mm. we got a little bit more uh, information on like his upbringing. Yeah. what do you think Vader? I think I'm learning stuff listening to you guys talk about the show. <laughs> Did you not pick up on that? I, I guess I didn't pick up on some of this stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah. also I felt like in the last episode in, in episode three, we got a lot of backstory on the, the, the super powered children, like how they were raised. And now we're, we've got this, um, story of mother's milk's childhood too. And it's just giving us more into like how like from their childhood, like 
what led up to the character, the adult characters that we have yeah. in this story yeah. right now. And, so and I just, I, I love it. I love that scene where Annie bonds with mother's milk, where she talks about how, you know, her mother, because she wanted to raise the superhero, she was never allowed to have any sugar or sweets. Mm-hmm. And then like mm-hmm. her father would occasionally sneak her out to Dunkin' Donuts mm-hmm. and get her like a chocolate cream filled donut. It was like the best thing in the world. And then mother's milk it says like, yeah, you know, like at, every Sunday after church, my dad would take me to the Baskin Robbins and he'd sit there and he'd ask for a sample of every single 31 flavor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the line would be out the door and he'd just keep asking for samples. And I used to be so embarrassed by that, but now like I'd give anything to stand in line with my dad again as yeah. he's just sitting there getting samples. And yeah. it was, it was such a powerful bonding. It moment. really was. It was another subversion of expectations for me because yeah. again, I was expecting mother's milk to be just like the other boys and be like really jacked up and kind of a dick. And when he sat there and she told her story about her father and he kind of like did his little OCDC, OCD thing where he sets everything up on the table and then he sits there and he gets ready to talk back to her. I fully expected him to be like, you know what? I'm not here to get to know you. I don't give a crap about your family. I'm here to do a mission. <laughs> like I expected him to say that. And when he goes into this like heartfelt story about his dad, I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Like, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> and I also loved uh, Huey reconnecting with Starlight because- mm-hmm. You know, like they had such a difficult kind of patch there where, you know, um, he she found out he betrayed her and all this stuff, but her life at She's risk. still harboring a lot from that betrayal. She is. But then like you see, like, you know, she's at the, the candy machine and uh, he comes and he starts giving her crap about liking Almond Joy. And she she's like, <laughs> she's like, well, I also like Charleston Chew and Bitto Honey. And he's like, those are like the three worst <laughs> candy ever. ever. They really are. <laughs> Bit of honeys are awesome. <laughs> okay. I think almond joys are awesome. Almond joys suck ass. All right, I like I almond, almond joys and, and Charleston shoes. <laughs> My wife has a frozen box of mini Charleston shoes in the freezer right now. But then, like her and I just and, want to throw them in the garbage. Uh, Annie and Huey end up having sex that night, and um, you know, boobs. He, he he goes he he goes to turn off the light. And she's like, I, I, boobs, I, I got this. We got she, boobs. Uh, she, she's like, I got it. And, and she uses her power to dim the lights. And she's like, I still want to be able to see you. Yeah. And like, cause she doesn't trust him, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But, but it was interesting because like, you know, we saw in the previous episode, like how far gone Huey was and like, she almost killed him in, in episode three. And like, you, you know, he was like so on the edge and so frayed that I feel like, like this kind of saved both their lives because it, it comforted Annie, but it also brought Huey back to, you know, to normalcy and somewhat yeah. and sexual healing. And at the end, when Annie tells him that it's not safe to be together, like you can just see like how crushed he is. She uh, didn't look too happy about it either, but, 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 but she realized that like in order to stay safe, like they, yeah. it was best for both of them. And I love that part where she's like, nobody's safe. Nobody gets to feel safe. What are you talking about? Like, we don't get to be happy. We don't get to be distracted. We don't get to feel safe. Yeah. We're on a mission. These people are on a mission yeah. and but, they know it. But the big thing to come out of uh, the storyline is that, so they, they meet the victim of, of Liberty uh, who basically she uh, killed the brother of this woman um, who uh, he, he did nothing other than drive a car while being black. And he, she uses like uh, lip, this Liberty character uses a racial, uh, slur uh, before he she kills this uh, this character, and uh, this woman is telling Mother's Milk, Huey, and Starlight about it, and they're like, you know, like, oh well, this character, you know, no one's ever heard of Liberty since then, and she's got to be like eighty by now, and she's like, no, she's not. And she puts down a uh, a newspaper with a picture of Stormfront on it, and it's like that's Liberty. Yep. So we find out Stormfront is this character Liberty from like the seventies or sixties or something. And Vader, you totally called it. 
about her being a racist. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. Cause yeah, I, w- I listened to, I was, I listened to the show last week and we're like talking in the, in our private chat and I was like, how did you guys miss this? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's unbelievable to me, but yeah, yeah. she's a, she's a total racist. So like, absolutely. I, I like last, uh, the, the mid season finale or whatever you want to call it, episode three, where uh, Stormfront kills, uh, Kamiko's brother mouse. Um, I, I knew that they, they were definitely like putting it out in plain view that she was a racist because she called him that racial slur right before she killed him. And it's kind of like, it's a big reveal and all the black people she killed, but that's, that's what I didn't really notice. I well, like when she was going through that apartment building, it never crossed my mind that everybody that she was killing on the whim yeah. was black. I, I just, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't realize didn't catch it. it. I yeah. didn't catch it. I was just like, yeah, oh, she, I, she was, she's putting a little extra juice on her. Uh, I just, on her, on her superpower I, shots there. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to sound cliche, but I just, I didn't see the color of the people that she was murdering. I was yeah. just like, oh, she's just murdering people. No. But uh, yeah, you called if, it out. If, she's if like, you, was, know, if, you know that like apartment building was filled with black people. And I'm like, oh, that's so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I was happy that I, I didn't like defend her or anything last week and make <laughs> a fool out of myself. <laughs> but yeah, I totally want Homelander to kill her now. So this kind of dovetails into the last plot of, of the show, which is, Homelander's subplot. Yeah. And this oh, is, he is unraveling. Yeah. Like, so he's my favorite character in the show. Creeps. Um, but I think you're just more of a fan of the actor that plays him. And Anthony Starr is amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. <laughs> Homelander's the worst. Man. He's awful. He's the worst. Is he worse than Butcher? Dude, he's... Yes. Well, well, yes. The, whole, the whole doppelganger thing. Oh, that was so creepy. Just blew oh, my mind. Hold on, let, I know he needs to go. Yeah, let him it. let him spill the, the, the plot Christ. out and then we'll talk about it. Go spill ahead. that tea, honey. Go ahead, Katie. All right, so the Homelander storyline this episode, basically he sees Stormfront kind of usurping his position in the public eye and, and Homelander is someone who his entire identity and self-worth is based around how many people love him. So he's kind of like on edge this entire episode. And uh, he goes to like this remote cabin and we see the return of Elizabeth Shue as Madeline Stillwell. And at first you're like, what the fuck is going on? I thought this was a hallucination. Yeah, I I did. I did too. So so like Madeline Stillwell's in this cabin. She's got like this glass of milk and she dips her fingers in. It's so creepy. And and like he sucks sucks the milk off her finger. And then they're like watching a movie together and he's like laying his head in her lap like he did in season one. And the entire time, like you're wondering like, like, is she a clone? Is this like a hallucination? Like what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, like like Madeline Stillwell transforms, and it's revealed that uh, it's actually Doppelganger, who's like this bald, fat, like dude. <laughs> and 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 Homelander gets upset. He he's like, "Damn it, Doppelganger, change back, change back right now!" And, and he's like, "If I hold a you know a, a single form so uh, long, so it, long, it, it hurts, it hurts for a while." And and so he's like, "I don't care, you do it now." And so like. Like it's revealed that doppelganger from season one who became like this, you know, the senator bartender who had sex with the senator. Yeah. Like he changes back into Madeline Stillwell. And and it's, it's just like, it's like the scene was creepy before, but now it's like way (laughs) creepier. It's double creepy now. But, um, so doppelganger as Madeline Stillwell kind of recommends to Homelander that he, he do something to kind of regain his, his power. Yeah. And so, um, Homelander basically decides to kind of clean house after this. So he goes, he confronts Annie, almost kills her in the elevator. Um, so like he like kind of pins her up against the wall and he's about to like shove his hand up through a rib cage. And, uh, she, you know, because uh, she didn't kill Huey, so he doesn't trust her. And she, she's like, you know, um, Huey broke my heart. Um, I, I've been betrayed by everyone. Like, tell me if I'm lying. And, and 
she's like yeah. she basically said she's not gonna murder somebody i'm not a cold-blooded murderer yeah basically. yeah and uh so homelander is kind of satiated by that response so like he lets her go but then he goes and he knows that a train is basically um has a heart problem and he's not as fast as he used to be. He says, in fact, Homelander says, like, you're not even in the top 20 fastest superheroes out there anymore. And so he basically kicks A-Train off the team, and A-Train is pissed. Yeah. yeah. I'm really interested to see where this goes. Yeah. Because I, th- I think this, if anything, is going to make A-Train flip. It's going to be this. Yeah, and we even got I, to see I don't the, want to see a redemption arc for A-Train. You don't? No. I, don't oh, I want to see him join he's, the boys. I, I think he's a scumbag. Mm. I do not like I that I think character. he's a scumbag. Yeah, we also got to see the return of Shockwave. In this yeah, episode. yeah. just like, a quick glimpse. Yeah, he's like A-Train's nemesis. Homelander outs Maeve in an interview that she's oh, gay. Oh, that yeah. was harsh. Yeah so, yeah, so they're on the Maria Menounos show, which is, you know, she's an actual kind of like entertainment yeah. tonight, like kind of like celebrity. Wait, that's a real person? Yeah. 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 In our world? She's yeah. on E. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Fashion okay. police and stuff. Oh, so My it's wife like, used it's to like watch. they're doing like the, the like Ellen show or something. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Like Maria Menounos, she, she's like the the person you see before like the movies roll where she's like like you got to see the M&Ms you know like talk about like their new color and you know, <laughs> stuff like that like like she's a very saccharine kind of like softball pitching okay. you know, like she's entertainment Mario journalist. Lopez but okay. a girl I didn't yeah, know exactly. she was a real I thought it was just a character in the show but, okay, yeah cool. and and so like uh, basically Maeve and Homelander are doing the, the press rounds about the revelation that compound V exists. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Maria is basically throwing them some softballs about like, you know, like, did you guys know that compound V was a thing? And then there, oh, the, what was that hashtag? It, it, was, like, it was superhero. So white yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag superhero. So yeah, white. They, she brought up the diversity of the seven, uh-huh. like trying to call them out as well, far well, as like, they, they said that like 80% of all superheroes are white yeah. and they're like, you know, do you have like any explanation for that? And so Homelander starts, uh, kind of like laughing off. He's like, oh, you're throwing some hard questions yeah. my way, Maria Menudos. And uh, so he starts talking about all the div- quote unquote diversity that they have on the seven. He, he's like, <laughs> when well, he talks about black noir, <laughs> he doesn't identify as anybody. So there you go. <laughs> They're covered. They're yeah. covered. <laughs> and and he, he's like, well, a train's obviously an African American and yeah. black noir is well, you know, he could be anything. <laughs> uh, and, and he's like, and we even have a gay superhero on the yeah. seven. And, and, and she like, just has to smile and like take it. And uh-huh. it was like a, oh, yeah, and, and it was a hard moment. And to it's watch. basically revealed that Homelander found out that he's Ma- like, Ma- and, Ma- and her lover's Hispanic. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> playing all the cards. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he basically outs Maeve on live TV. And um, then they have like this kind of confrontation backstage where, Homelander basically he's like enough with the lies like I know you're lying to me he he kind of says like well now you're out you can be with this woman and I'm happy for you and the way he yeah. says it it's like he yeah he's like, not happy you can't for trust that yeah. again with the actor's expressions uh, the he's words such that a are good actor the words that are coming out of his mouth do not match what's coming out no. of his eyes uh-huh. he's just like I'm gonna kill you like tomorrow I, I will so I will admit yeah. that the guy who plays Homelander he's He's incredible on this. Yeah. He's incredible. He, he probably should earn, earn some awards for this performance. But. Oh, yeah. Anthony Starr kills it in this role. Yeah. Um, so, like, so he he fires A-Train, he outs uh, Maeve, and then, like, he goes and he confronts Stormfront. Uh, and Stormfront had, like, this big rally where, like, you know, she was like, you know, Vought's not doing anything. All these supervillains are coming out. We need, <laughs> like, more superheroes. And uh, so he has a confrontation with her, and she kind of, like, runs circles around him where she's like, you know, she's uh, just more, she's more savvy to like the, the modern culture than he is. But, but she also kind of like drops hints that like, you know, he's the type of, he, 
of heroes we need more of the big tall Aryan yeah. you know, powerful Superman uh-huh. type and I think it's really funny that she's so savvy with today's like modern culture and she's clearly the oldest yeah well she said she had to reinvent herself uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. well I, I, I the moment where she was like uh anger sells and like I have an army not just fan I'm like yeah. dude that is so true for like oh well she's totally they're they're totally taking a shot at modern internet culture. Yes. 100%. And she's playing it like a fiddle and Homelander is just oblivious to it. Like he's like very old school, like 1950s and 60s, like Americana. And she's just like, no, this is 2020 rage culture, baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's play it like a fiddle, man. Let's go. Mm -hmm. So I just, I thought that was a really cool play. And that little dynamic that they had, I I was probably as frustrated as Homelander was with it. Cause I'm like, I, I really despise that culture as well. And seeing him, like he gets pissed and his eyes but turn the, red. The, and- the, 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 the issue I kind of have is, is that she's there. I, th- I think they're going down that road where if you're critical of things, you know, if you show a conservative yeah. bent to that, then you're, of course you're, a, you're a Nazi. Yeah. Because yeah. she's straight up a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. Her character is based off and of a Nazi character. I don't know how that's going to play out in my little world. Cause I'm not a Nazi, Yeah, yeah. but I have issues with stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm not down for the cause. I'm not a BLM supporter. I'm not, you know, I don't mean to get political here. Well, but, it, the show's going to get political she's, eventually. She's capping on me in, in some aspects, you know, and I don't know how I'm going to react to that yeah. because it is what it is, but it's fine. That's what so I, I think. I can tell you that the character that she's based on in the comic books, it's not a political thing. Like mm-hmm. it's straight up. Like this was a character that was created by the Nazis uh, he's always been a Nazi mm-hmm. and Vought has kind of like tapered down his, you know, public profile to the point where he's like kind of harmless, but he's still like a super dangerous superhero that has like all these prejudices. Yeah. So like, I don't think it's going to be like a political statement because anything Garth Ennis, it's like his style and, and the show has kind of preserved this. It's more ironic than it is like judgmental. Like they're not trying to preach to you. They're, they're, I just, they're I just, like I just kind of hope stuff. they don't go down the road where, they're going to portray all these stormfront people as like Trump supporters. Yeah. Or something I would hate like to that. see that. But honestly, I, I hope they don't. I hope they, I'm, I'm on the same page as you, but seeing what we've seen so far with her style and the way she's doing like these public mm-hmm. uh, like rallies and stuff like that, that seems more left leaning as far as like, they're, well, they're, they're, I, f- I feel like they're doing the more of the kind of Antifa rally approach. Yeah but with a Trump-esque message attached to him. I don't know. Sort of thing. I don't know. Whatever. I, I, it doesn't I, I matter. I haven't gotten any like political undertones from the show yet. It's, it's been really light. And I did think fine. it was interesting, too, that she was like, I don't need five million fans. I've got five guys with laptops creating yeah. memes. Yeah. And yeah. I got an army now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so after his confrontation with, with Stormfront, Homelander is very on edge. He goes back to the cabin where Doppelganger is. Doppelganger notices that Madeline Stillwell isn't doing anything for him. So he, he switches into a version of Homelander. So he's basically oh, he looks in just that like same Homelander. little negligee. Yeah. So creepy. And, 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 and he's, oh he, and he's like, I want to suck your cock and it's oh. not, it's he's not like, gay. You're going like, to look into your own eyes when you come. It's not gay. If you're the one doing it and, <laughs> like, and Homelander basically just straight up kills him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully I was, I was like worried. Just breaks his neck. There was a moment. There was a moment where I was like, Oh my God, he's going to do it. Oh <laughs> shit. He's going to do it. And then, and then he like turned and he's like, basically like has like weird self-loathing 
complex to going on where he, I don't, it was, it's a very deep subject, but it well, was super awkward well, to Storm, watch. Stormfront told him that he's so powerful. He doesn't need anyone. And in that moment, right after he kills um, doppelganger and basically gets rid of his like Madeline Stillwell. Yeah. His crutch. Um, he says, I don't need anybody. And so like he, he kind of shows that Stormfront is kind of growing her influence over him mm -hmm. in a way. Um, and it just shows how vulnerable he is mentally at, at, at this stage. And so the final storyline that I wanted to talk about was black noirs. Oh, black, yeah. black noir shows up in this episode uh, to the IT department, like the people who are responsible for like tracking like Security. the crimes and stuff. And he just hands this, this lady a paper that just says butcher on it <laughs> in like crayon. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and she's like, Oh, you, you want us to find William butcher? And he just stares at her and she's like, okay, I'll start the facial recognition. <laughs> and then like, like, you know, she's eating an almond joy, another almond joy reference. Yeah, what's up with and she's and, like, and, would and you he, like one? And he and, just gives her a bucket to throw yeah, it he in. He gives her a trash can <laughs> and she's like, I guess I'm done with this. <laughs> and then like later on, I love black noir. And, and, awesome. and then like, he's like sits down right next to her and she's like, Oh, you're, you're, you're joining you're stay uh, okay then she's and like, there for like 16 hours yeah. 12, like she, like 12 she, red bulls she, later yeah, she's got 12 like empty red bull cans <laughs> at her station and finally she finds like butcher jumping over the wall and he like flicks off the camera yeah and uh black noir then just like mobilizes because now he knows where butcher is yeah so what do you is this like because last episode we see black noir kind of take the whole reveal of compound v pretty hard and I'm curious, like, is this going to be a moment where he's like found his resolve? I think he's, he's over it. He's going to go take down Butcher or if he's going to, if he's trying to find Butcher to like maybe try and figure out what's going on with the compound. I have no idea. Well, it's funny because after we finished this episode, I rewatched the, the two trailers uh, for season two. Mm -hmm. And there are shots in there of, of Butcher fighting Black Noir, like straight up going oh. toe to toe with him. Okay. So I think Black Noir is going to be hunting down Butcher. And uh, there, there are going to be some um, some throwdowns there, so which nice. should be really interesting to see. Right on. All right. Well, that's our recap of episode four of The Boys. Are we uh, going to do final thoughts? Final thoughts around the table. Uh, Vader, what did you think about this episode? Um, I thought it was a weird episode. Yeah. But we're mid-season, so they got to do some stuff. Character development. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Uh, Jude, what about you? Well, I felt like they needed... Because obviously the story is going somewhere else, so it's not necessarily about, um, like... Butcher stealing Becca and Ryan away. Like we, we needed more to the story there. So now the story is uh, transforming into now we have to take down Vought because we'll never just get away from Vought. So they needed an episode to kind of transition into that. Right on. And uh, Vader, uh, Vader, Kadish, what about you? Um, I felt like this was very much a bridge episode. Like Vader's right. Like it was a weird episode because the entire time I was sitting there watching, I'm, I'm like, this feels very transitionatory. Like it feels like they're setting the stage for like, um, you know, the rest of the episodes to come. And that's necessary in like a kind of confined season where you only have eight episodes. So like I can appreciate what they were doing, but at the same time I was like, I kind of wish it was a little bit more entertaining. Um, so like not the best episode we've seen of the season so far, but a very necessary episode. Yeah. And I told Jude after we finished watching, I was like, God damn, I wish they had just dropped the whole season. Because I, <laughs> I, I was just about to say that. Like if we had gotten to just marathon this whole season, I don't think uh, any of us would, would like pause on this episode. Like it was so yeah, weird. We'd then, just then, go to the next episode. Then we'd be done with it. Yeah. yeah. We'd do one we'd, episode. We'd, be, we'd yeah. be doing one episode today and that would be the end of it. Definitely episode. gives us more to talk That's about. That's the difference between content creators and consumers. Is yeah. The content creators want longevity. I, you know, just to touch on that, I, I do kind of feel like this, this was a good compromise this year. Dump the three episodes and then we get the next five. Yeah. Mm. Week by week. It's that way it's not super long drawn out. It's not like it's 25 episodes like back in the day when we'd have you know, 
six months of or whatever of yeah. uh what is that for like yeah five six months how many a, episodes did game of thrones have per season like they 10, had like 10, 10, 10, 12, 10, 10 to 12. Well, I got yeah. less and less per. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less and less as they went along. That's what something Final I season do. was just six episodes, right? But yeah, yeah. anyway, these, these binge kids today are spoiled. Because, yeah. You know, but back, back, uh, back to what you were just saying about like the writers of Game of Thrones. This is something that I did want to give credit to is that the writers of this really take the time to make each character so solid and so intricate. And it would be really easy to take some shortcuts like you were saying earlier with, with Mother's Milk and how it would have been really easy for him to be like, oh, that's bullshit. But they took the time to just double down on his story and be like, yeah, and here's more. And yeah. I just give so much credit to smart um, smart writing. Cause it's so easy. And we, I think that's something that irritates all of us is like when you're watching something and it's hard to get invested in something because of the writing is being so lazy. That's not an issue with this show at all. And that's nope. one of the reasons why I love it so much that I can just fully invest in it and I can trust where they're going to take me. Yeah. As long as they hang on to that energy for the it's, next, it's, however it's many very seasons. well done so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're pretty early on. We're only in season two. So yeah. We have, we'll see what happens when season six how many, and seven How many seasons are they planning? Do we <laughs> I, know? I don't know. Who knows? But um, okay. this season's been very consistent with like the first season in terms, in terms of like tone and quality and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like anyone who really liked the first season is going to like this season yeah. pretty much. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for our review of The Boys, episode four, season two. Uh, look forward to every week. We're going to be breaking down each episode that comes out. So join us. Go to saltynearpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button. Share it with your friends. Like, comment. Let us know what you think of the show. And uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can go to saltynerdclub.com, and that will take you to our Patreon page where we have exclusive access to blooper reels and uh, other podcasts along with uh, merchandise and uh, some advanced show notes for uh, shows. Most, to- most of my content. I, just the yeah. just the raunchy stuff. <laughs> if you want to hear when Vader get raunchy, Vader goes on a rant. Yeah, <laughs> it's in there. Anyway, so if you'd like to support the podcast, pick it here at saltynearclub.com or just like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks, everybody. Uh, let's go around the table real quick. Jude, where can they find you on the socials? You can find me at I am Jude Juju on Instagram and Twitter. Right on, and Matthew Kadish, where can they find you? At Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H on Twitter and KadishBooks.com on Amazon. Right on. And The Barbarian, Matt Vader, where can they find you? Uh, Matt Vader, 74, uh, two Ts. The second T is silent. And um, <laughs> at Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, stuff like that. Yeah. Right on, guys. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great week. Yeah.